Um, let's open with a quick word of prayer. If you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, we just come to you tonight. Lord, we just delight to be in your presence. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're about to do. Lord, we just look forward to this new year with excited anticipation. Lord, we just come and, and just submit ourselves to you, to your plans and to your purposes. Lord, we pray that you would now just breathe life into your word, into these scriptures. Lord, we pray that you would just lead us and guide us and that, that we would hear your truth, that we would hear your heart for what you have for us. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. But tonight, um, I was prepared to speak for five minutes or 45 minutes, so I'm just kind of editing it on the fly. And uh, so just bear with me if I seem a little disjointed, but uh, just trying to cobble together a quick message. Uh, Tim asked me, he said, oh, I won't be here on Wednesday. So, okay. So threw this together real quick. But um, I just wanted to touch on something that's really been on my heart a lot lately. And um, as you can see on the slide, gifts of the Spirit. And uh, you know, right now, there's a lot of controversy in the church. Um, many of you have heard of some of the strange fire conferences that are going on right now. You may have read some of the web blogs and things like that. And basically, if you're not in the loop, we have the fundamentalist camp attacking kind of the charismatic camp within the church and causing some division. But I just wanted to level set us and just take a quick look tonight at what does Scripture say about spiritual gifts, okay? So, um, the first slide I have here, a couple months ago I talked to you, because one of the prophetic words that we had for 2013 was the emphasis on the Sermon on the Mount, especially with the Beatitudes. And so I covered a message on that, and then the next thing the Lord uh, had me speak on was the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, peace, joy, gentleness, things like that. And now tonight, I think this is the third message, so it kind of turned into a little series without me knowing it. So we're going to talk tonight about um, the gifts of the Spirit. So basically, um, the Beatitudes are our attitudes, right? It's how we think about things. And sometimes, usually, generally, when we think about something, it affects our behavior, it affects our conduct, and it, it infiltrates our character. So the Beatitudes are basically how we think. And then the next thing I covered was the fruit of the Spirit is basically how we act. And then tonight I want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit as Christians, what we do. Okay, um, Paul's teachings on the gifts are probably the clearest teachings. He does a really good job of covering the subject of the gifts. And uh, one scripture is 1 Corinthians 12.1. I think it might be on your handout. It says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Um, so he does a really good job of going in-depth about spiritual gifts. So, um, you know, if you're having a debate on the gifts, the best thing to do is go to the Word of God, right? See what God's Word has to say about it. And so I think Paul, in his prophetic nature, was, you know, maybe foreseeing a time where the church would maybe have some controversy over this. So he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. And then if you go on to 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, um, it says this. I have that scripture um, right up here on the screen. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. The Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually. So I think that's a very clear scripture describing what the gifts are. Um, It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone, isn't it? So if you look at the scripture, it says it's given to each one. Um, The Spirit doesn't generally use anyone in the same way, does He? He gives us all different mixes. He gives us all different approaches. We all have different personalities. We all have different styles. And so He blesses us differently with the gifts. Um, The gifts are both residential and situational. And I love that saying. They're residential and they're situational. What I mean by that, when something's resident, it's within you, right? And so God bestows, He blesses, he, he gives men and women gifts. And so we have these gifts at our disposal. But they're also situational. So you may have a gift of healing, let's say, for instance, but not necessarily a gift of prophecy. But in a given situation, you might be able to operate in the gift of prophecy. And that may have happened to some of you from time to time, right? Especially happens a lot with the word of knowledge. You know, Maybe healing is your main gift that God has blessed you with, but there's times when you'll actually get a word of knowledge which actually enhances that healing gift, doesn't it? Um, we had uh, meetings at IHOPE years ago when we had city gate meetings where we get the pastors from all over the east side of Detroit to come and pray. And we'd host these meetings in our prayer room. And these pastors, and some of them were Baptist pastors, different denominations, and they would come into our prayer room and they would start prophesying. And, and they said, this is so weird because I don't have the gift of prophecy. I don't move in prophecy at all, but whenever I come here and stand in this room, this spirit of prophecy comes upon me. And a lot of them teach against that thing, but it would happen to them and they couldn't deny it. And so to me, that's an example of a situational gift, right? Where, where God would bless them. And because they're representing the city and the region that they have spiritual authority over, God would bless them with this power to begin to prophesy. And so, you know, as they would testify, not my gift, but I can operate in it given the right situation, the right circumstance. So I love that saying that the gifts are residential and situational. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2.4 says, this is Paul talking again, my message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I love that because... You know, there's all kinds of approaches to get to one's heart, isn't there? But nothing beats a demonstration, does it? I'm, I'm an applied learner. I like to see things. Um, this generation that's coming up now, they're kind of, I call them the YouTube generation. Because if they don't know how to do something, they YouTube it, don't they? And they get an instant demonstration of what to do. And, and there's nothing that they can't do. There's nothing that they can't figure out because they can go on YouTube and pull all these resources and see step-by-step how to do something. And that's a great way to learn, isn't it? That applied learning. And so um, Paul's saying that, you know, my preaching is not as, you know, as persuasive as a demonstration of the power. And I think that's what the world is looking for, isn't it? You know, we can preach till we're blue in the face and try to convince people. And that will work, especially if you're trying to get to an uh, intellectual person right? Because sometimes the best way to them is through the mind. 
But the average person wants to see a gospel that works. I don't know about you, but I long for the days when we start demonstrating everything that we read about in the Bible, when we start living the book of Acts. Um, I love the story of John Wimber, um, one of my heroes in the faith. He started the Vineyard Movement, and he was into rock and roll. He was in rock and roll bands. He was a record producer, and um, he was very deep into the drug and alcohol culture, you know, the typical 1970s musician. When God got a hold of him, it changed everything because he started reading the Bible. He started reading the book of Acts. And he would come to church Sunday after Sunday and he would just hear someone teaching, someone preaching, someone giving a message. And at the end of every service, he would leave empty. And one time he said to one of the elders, he said, when are we going to start doing the stuff? And the elder said, excuse me, the stuff? He says, yeah, the stuff I'm reading in this book, pointing to his Bible. He says, well, that was then, this is now. That's not for today. And he said, wait a second. He said, I gave up drugs. I gave up my recording career. I gave up my rock and roll uh, you know, salary for this. And he says, you're telling me this isn't for today? And he refused to accept that. He refused to believe that. And he went on to have one of the most prolific healing ministry in our day. Um, read about him sometime. Amazing man and just signs and wonders and miracles followed his ministry wherever he went because he longed to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that's my heart. I just long to see it. You know, if it's in a Walmart parking lot, if it's in the church sanctuary, wherever we go, we should carry the presence of God, right? We should be able to demonstrate His power. And I'm not minimizing the office of preaching or, you know, evangelizing. That's important. But that actually enhances our evangelistic efforts, doesn't it? So I love what Paul said. You know, it's not... It's not preaching with persuasive words because we would end up taking credit for that, wouldn't we? Oh, man, I'm such a good speaker. Listen, I I got everyone converted because of my wonderful words. And Paul never wanted to be in that place, did he? He'd rather show that God was strong, that God was powerful. So the gifts are given for the profit of all. They're not given to make us famous. You know, If you're looking for the gifts to glorify yourself or to make yourself famous, you probably aren't going to operate in them too well because the gifts are for the body. They're for each other. And uh, you know, I'm just really moved by the, the fact that if you really loved me, you would desire the gifts because the gifts aren't for us individually. They're for us corporately, right? And we should desire the gifts so that we have the ability to bless the body and to bless the world and the unbelievers because we start moving in the power of God and demonstrating the power of God and then we start changing lives. And so if your heart is in a place where I want to see the world move, the world changed, then the gifts are for you. But if you're in a place where you're saying, I want the gifts so I become famous, I have this big pulpit ministry, I have these followers, maybe I'll get on TV, the, the gifts aren't going to manifest too well in your life. Okay? The gifts are supernatural and not natural. So when I talk about the gifts, I'm talking about supernatural gifts. I'm not talking about your natural ability, your natural talents, because God has gifted us with things like that as well, right? Some people are really uh, skilled at being craftsmen or whatever trade, or some people are gifted as being thinkers or intellectuals or whatever. But what I'm talking about tonight is the actual supernatural gifts that God gives, the ones that we just read about, um, you know, knowledge, wisdom, faith, prophecy, things like that. 
So what I've done to make it easy to remember the gifts is I put them in the three categories. And so there's nine gifts, and so there's three clusters of three gifts each. And so the first one are gifts of revelation, okay? Gifts that reveal something. So the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits, right? So those are gifts that we're relying on God's revelation to be able to speak into other people's lives. And it's amazing when you have those. And how many of you have actually experienced a word of knowledge, maybe a word of wisdom? And I'll tell you what, yeah, a lot of hands are going up, that's great. But those who didn't raise their hand, I guarantee you, you've had them. You might just not recognize them. But I I love whenever I get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge when I'm speaking to someone, and all of a sudden this thought comes across my mind, and I verbalize it, and I'm thinking, man, I should have wrote that down. You know, (laughs) That's not how I think. That's not how my mind works. But you know it, don't you? Because when the Spirit drops it in, it's like, wow, that was powerful. That was good. Even you're impressed by it. And so... I love when those things happen, but those are a gift of revelation because God has revealed something to you. It's just divinely breathed into you. And I'll tell you what, one word of wisdom, one word of knowledge can change everything, can it? It, It's amazing. And so I constantly pray for that. I constantly want a word of wisdom or word of knowledge. And before I meet with somebody, um, even if I'm going out to breakfast, I'm just praying, Lord, what do you want to say to that person? What do you want them to know? Um, Help me to share your heart with them. And I'll tell you what, you begin to pray like that, you begin to earnestly desire that, because I'm not seeking for myself, I'm seeking for that other person. And I'll tell you what, God meets you there every time. And you'll get that word that's on their heart, or something that's been really plaguing them, and you speak that out, and all of a sudden, the world comes crashing down, doesn't it? Because it exposes everything in their heart, and... um, I'll tell you, it's, it's just pay dirt every time. So I encourage you to begin to fire off those prayers because if your heart is to see the other person grow, the other person uh, spiritually mature, start asking God, Lord, what do you want to say to this person? What do you want them to know? And he'll meet you there. Um, the second gift cluster are gifts of power, gifts that do something. The gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gift of healings. Um, of course, you guys know my background, and I totally love the gift of healing. You know, I have a gift of faith for it, and I love to see those things active in the church. Um, we're in an awesome place. We're in an awesome church. I'll say more about that later. But, but uh, do you realize every service, we have people here who want to pray for your healing. We actually have healing rooms on the second and fourth Wednesday. Putting in a commercial plug for you, Ed. <laughs> but we have uh, healing rooms, and, and we desire to pray you know, don't think you're bothering us. We, we want to see that. We want to see miracles. We don't see them often enough. But that's our desire. Every time you step up front to this altar, we want to see God move. We want to see all manner of sickness and disease cast out. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to sign up for that? Why would you preach and teach against that? It's just so foreign to me that, that you know, there's a camp of people out there who believe that's not necessary. If Jesus needed to do miracles... If he needs to perform healings for his evangelistic ministry, how much more do we need those things? I mean, we really need them badly, don't we? And we can't let our experiences discourage us, you know? A lot of times if you pray for someone to be healed and they don't get healed, 
get back in the batter's box and swing away next time. You know, don't let that affect you. And I'll tell you what, if you start going and just really walking in that faith, walking in that belief, you're going to start seeing little miracles. And I'll tell you, little miracles beget big miracles. Because, you know, the first headache that gets healed or the first upset stomach that gets healed, that's going to give you faith for the bigger things, isn't it? And um, I'll tell you, John Wimber, again, part of his testimony was he probably prayed for a thousand people before he saw his first healing. But he was faithful in it. And he believed that God was able and God was willing to do it. Does he do it every time? No. But, but he's willing and able, and that's the desire of God's heart. What father, what mother would desire to see their children in sickness or disease? Every father's heart is to see their child healed. I can't tell you how many times I prayed when my children were sick, Lord, take it off of them and put it on me, right? Because you don't want to see anybody suffer. You don't want to see anybody sick. And that's the Father's heart. He wants to see us operating in that. And we get to co-labor. We get to work alongside God. And we get to be His representatives, His ambassadors, to impart that to a dying world. And I'll tell you what, you walk into a situation with confidence, it changes everything. I told the story um, a couple of Fridays ago to a bunch of kids, and they were making fun of me. But, but uh, I just feel led to share it right now. Um, I was pastoring a church, and we had this one boy, Jim, you were there, this story, Jim uh, was one of the elders at the church that we had, and uh, Carlos, this little kid, he gets sick every Sunday night, every weekend he gets sick, and his mom would take him to the hospital, and uh, this one particular Sunday, I was, you know, just trying to settle in, watch the football game, and uh, the call came in, and it was Tia, his mom, Carlos is sick again, he's in the hospital, can you come and pray? And uh, I'll just be frank with you guys. It was a cold winter night. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to be bothered with this. But you know what? The Spirit just convicted me, and I said, I got to go. I got to do this. So I called Jim, and Jim and I are driving to the hospital. And like, man, we just got to pray this kid out. And so we walked into the emergency room, and Carlos was there. He was in a bed. And um, Carlos and Tia looked at me. Carlos said, Pastor Ron, Jim, what are you doing here? So we're here to bust you out. And, uh, and uh, the little boy looked at us. He was pale as could be. He looked really sickly. And uh, they were just about to admit him. And Tia said, it's too late. They're admitting him. I said, no, we're busting him out tonight. And Carlos, like, perked up when he heard that. And so Jim and I started praying. And Tia said, the doctor said that his bed's ready. They're going to take him up. And we said, no, we're, we're going to pray. And so we prayed as fervently as we could. And all of a sudden, it was shift change. And the new doctor, I don't know whatever you call the head doctor, was coming on. And uh, he said, what's with this boy? They said, they're admitting him. Um, high temperature. He's got a really bad fever. Suspect pneumonia. And so the doctor listened to his lungs. He said, well, his lungs are clear. Check his blood pressure. Blood pressure is fine. Check his temperature. Temperature's good. His coloring's coming back. The doctor says, there's no reason to keep this boy. Send him home. And... Uh, you know, it was just one of those things that, amen, and it just, that resolve that we had that night, because we were getting tired of it, right? And God wants us to be in that place where we don't want to tolerate sickness and disease, and we want to start walking in miracles because we're sick and tired of the enemy just running roughshod over those that we love, amen? And so, there's gifts out there, there's the ability, there's the power to do that, we just need to tap into it. And I just long for the days 
where we can just walk into a hospital and clean it out. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't be so good for Obamacare. (laughs) Anyways, uh, gifts of inspiration. Those are the gifts that say something, right? Gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so I, I love those because they're acting as a spokesman for the church. We're acting as spokesmen for God. And uh, whenever you hear a prophetic word and it's just spot on, it's amazing. Again, not to keep talking up this church, but you're in a church that we allow prophecy rooms. And, and you can come and people can pray over you and give you a prophetic word, which I'll tell you what, can change your destiny, can change the course of your life. I can't tell you how many times I've been involved in the prophetic and I've had the opportunity to pray prophetically over people and they come back to me maybe 10, 15 years later and said, that night that you prayed for me changed everything because they had an epiphany or something was set into motion or it resonated in them something that God had told them years ago and it rekindled, it relit that fire. Has God ever used you in that place where you were able to speak prophetically? I love our prophecy team. It's been one of my greatest delights in working here. It's one of the things that I can't believe I get paid for. But we get to we get to get together with these prophetic type people who've typically been the, the castaways in the church, but they come together and they understand that they have a purpose, that they have a function, that they have a mission, that what they've been given is God given. And we're coming together right now and we're already praying for twenty fourteen for the next prophetic bulletin. We had our first meeting Monday night and it was just rich and it was just we, we just had a riot just comparing words what God is showing us for this new year and and speaking that out. And so we get to communicate that to the church body. And the fact that we have the ability to do that and that this is a safe place to practice that. And as we start to sharpen and hone our skills, I believe God is going to use us to go out. We're already getting requests for our prophetic bulletin. We've done it three or four years now from other churches saying, when's it going to be done? When's it going to be ready? You know, we look to that every year. It helps us to set our prayer teams and prophetic teams in motions as well. So I believe that God is going to use that to influence other churches. And I'm really excited about that. So think of the gifts in these three categories. Revelation, gifts of power, and gifts of inspiration. And I think that's a really easy way to remember them, isn't it? Okay. I have a section on prophecy, but I'm not going to speak too much more on that. But just understand that that prophecy is something that we should all eagerly desire. It's something that we should really earnestly seek after. Uh, In in fact, Paul calls it one of the greater gifts that we should desire, the greater gifts, right? And so he thinks we should all prophesy. And in fact, Joel, the book of Joel and the book of Acts says that in the last day, God is going to pour out his spirit on men and women. And that our young men will uh, have visions and our old men will dream dreams. Uh, We just finished a class on Monday nights on prophecy and dreams. And it was just very fascinating to see how God is starting to fulfill that prophecy. We're starting to see so many people who have dreams and visions and prophecies. And even in this church, I get inundated with people who are submitting dreams right now saying, I had this dream and I know it's significant. I know it wasn't a pizza dream. This, this dream was really 
significant. It was really important. Can you guys read it over? Can you pray about it? Can you help me to understand the dream symbols, the dream types? And so we've been putting ourselves to studying that, to understanding that, so that we can be a resource for others when they begin to get dreams and visions. And uh, if you know anything about Islam, Muslims believe that Christians have the ability to do two things rather well. Number one, heal the sick. And so a Muslim will allow you to pray for them in the area of healing. And the other area they'll allow you to pray for them is dream interpretation, right? And they get that from our Old Testament scriptures, things like Joseph, right? Daniel, and all these dreamers that, that were in the Old Testament. And so they think that we have the ability to do this. Um, and I believe that we're going to be called on to do that, to provide interpretations for them. Because many of you have heard the stories in a lot of Muslim countries where Jesus is showing up in their dreams, and they don't even understand what's happening. So I think as a church, we need to be prepared. We need to be studied in this area so that we can offer guidance, that we can offer advice, and that we can see the, the signs of Christ in those dreams and use that as evangelistic tool to say, I know exactly what this dream means, and God is speaking to you, and this is what he has to say. How awesome would that be? So I'm looking forward to that. So I just want to look at the gifts real quick. Um, Gifts of revelation, gifts that reveal something, a word of knowledge. Um, I gave you some scriptures on your handout. If you want to start doing a study, like I said tonight, we're not going to go real in-depth, but it's... um, Revelation with formation related to past or present. He reveals a word or a fragment of information related to people, places, or things. It can be manifested through a vision, angel, dream, or gift of prophecy. The gifts often operate together. And that's really neat when, when you see these gifts operating together. So here, maybe someone gets a dream and someone has a gift of dream interpretation or maybe a gift of prophecy and they can say, that dream was prophetic and let me show you how that dream was prophetic. A word of wisdom is revelation with information related to the future. And so, in that situation, um, you're helping them to apply God's Word to what, what's coming in the future. It's not the same as you know what the occult would use to do a prediction, but it's speaking out a potential outcome that the Lord is highlighting. Uh, discerning the spirits. Insight into the spirit world It is to discern or perceive a spirit or the spirit realm, both good and bad. It is more than psychological insight into people, especially to see their tendencies and their faults. So it's where you're not relying on your own understanding, your own observations, but you're actually asking the spirit, you know, show me what's going on here. Help me to understand. Because there's times when you don't know if something's good or bad, right? Have you ever been in that place where you're just trying to discern, is this right or is this wrong? And so having a gift of discerning the spirits is really important, especially when it comes to people. And a lot of times, you know, we can misread people, can't we? Um, there's times when I've really misjudged people, and then all of a sudden my discernment will kick in, you know, because maybe I'll say, this guy, I, I don't trust this guy. And then maybe the Holy Spirit will say, no, wait, listen to him. You know, he's got something to say. Or maybe I might discern, hey, this guy's a pretty good guy, only to find out in the end they had wrong intentions, right? How many times has that happened? So a discerning spirit gift is really important for the church, especially for those in leadership, to have a gifted discernment. So pray for that. Pray for your leaders and and pray for yourself to have that gift. Because I'll tell you what, you'd save yourself a lot of heartache and anguish, right, if you could rightly discern 
things that were happening, things that were going on in your life, and people that come in and out of your life, if you are able to discern correctly, right, that this is from the dark side or from the kingdom of God. Gifts of power. Gifts that do something. Uh, working in miracles. It is a manifestation of the Spirit to work an instance, oh, instantaneous miracle. A miracle is supernatural in a, intervention in the ordinary course of nature. This gift works actively. For example, when Jesus turned water into wine. Um, again, I think in the end times we're going to see an activation of this gift. People are going to start walking more and more in the gift of miracles. Uh, Moses needed it, right? Um, and if you read all throughout Scripture, I mean, the apostles used miracles. Jesus used miracles. Why do we think for this particular dispensation that we live in, they're not necessary? I just don't understand that. I don't get that. In fact, I, th- I would argue that we need them more now than we ever have in the last day's church. Gift of faith. It is supernatural manifestation of the Spirit to receive a miracle of protection, direction, etc. Uh, Daniel received a miracle in the lion's den. Um, so it says the gift of faith will carry a person through the danger without being hurt. The working of miracle changes circumstances um, causing the danger. So basically, the contrast between the two, the gift of faith gets you through it, where the gift of miracles will actually change the circumstance, right? So you might have faith if you're on a ship in a stormy uh, river or water or sea that God's going to get me through this. But a gift of miracles can actually calm the storm. So you get the difference. Kind of a subtle thing, but, but it's important that you understand the difference. Um, and then C, gift of healings. In the original Greek, both words gifts and healings are in the plural. It's the only gift of the Spirit that is plural. And healing is a process, whereas miracles are instantaneous. And so healing is an ongoing thing, isn't it? And sometimes we have to pray more than once for someone's healing. Even Jesus had to do that. Remember the blind man? And he started praying for him, and the guy said, well, I'm starting to see a little bit. These men look like trees to me. And so he went back and prayed. He said he prayed three times because, you know, it's a continuous work. And so many times, I just want to encourage you, if you prayed for someone's healing, and you didn't see it miraculous or instantaneous, keep praying because sometimes it's a gradual thing. Sometimes um, you know, it, it, it takes a little time for that thing to fully manifest. But don't give up. Don't get discouraged. And I can't tell you how many times I walked away from this altar feeling defeated that nothing happened, only to find out later that something big really did happen. And uh, I'll tell you what, the power of testimony is so important. So if you've ever received or gotten a miracle, make sure you always go back to the person that interceded and prayed for you. Give them that little feedback loop. Um, we love it. Um, when you submit a prayer request, if you ever get an answer to your prayer, make sure you put another prayer request in there saying, praise report, this is what God has done. Because nothing fuels an intercessor like that testimony, right? And so I can't tell you how many times, maybe years later, I get the answer to prayer. And every time I do, it just builds my faith more and more. Okay, and then the last ones, gifts of inspiration, gifts that say something. I got the right one up there? Yeah. Um, The gift of prophecy, the inspiration to edify, exhort, and comfort people. Uh, Again, I can't overemphasize this gift. 
Um, you know, we see it in operation here on Sunday mornings. And, um, you know, sometimes it's mixed. You know, there will be times when, when the message will be uh, a word straight from the throne room, and it convicts and it strikes the heart of everyone. Sometimes the word might just be for the person who is prophesying, but they blurt it out, right? And so I think if you have discernment, you can pretty much know that I don't think that was for the church or this congregation. Maybe that was just for that person. But in their zeal and their anxiousness to get a word out, sometimes they share something that may not have been directed at the body. That just takes training. And I thank God I'm in a place where we can allow for that. And sometimes, quite frankly, it's flesh, right? I mean, sometimes you will hear a fleshy word, and that's okay because, you know what, God's big enough to handle it. And, you know, it's up to us to search those things out. If you hear a word that misses the mark, you know, usually you can rely on leadership to take care of it, to handle it. And, and I got to tell you, you know, I just want to assure you, the leadership in this church is very, very vigilant about those things. And a lot of times when a word goes out and it gets missed, we'll talk to that person and, uh, you know, pray with that person and try to understand what went wrong, what happened. But you know what? We never want to embarrass or dress anybody down. But, you know, sometimes we'll actually have to address it right when it happens. And if that happens, don't be upset. Don't, you know, don't be angry. We're just trying to grow. We're just trying to get refined in what we're called to do. Because, again, as we enter the last day period, we want to be able to do everything with purity. And we want to be able to do everything with anointing on it. And so we're longing for the day when every prophecy that goes out is totally anointed. And... Um, my favorite part of prophecy is personal prophecy. And again, if you haven't signed up for our prophetic rooms, um, they meet on the first and third Wednesdays. There's a sign-up in the hall. And if there's a fifth Wednesday, you can sign up for it on the fifth Wednesday as well. And uh, we have teams of people, and they, they pray. I mean, they really pray over each person's name on that list, and they, they really seek to hear God on your behalf. And so uh, I really encourage you to see that gift in operation and uh, they'll help you to understand, to find what your gifts might be. Okay, um, different kinds of tongues. Tongues of men and angels, there's a difference between the gift of tongues for the body and for private devotion. Um, I know this is really controversial, and I'm probably treading on thin ice, but I strongly believe that there are two types of tongues in the Bible, um, two different uses of tongues. There's the corporate use of tongues, and so if someone was to stand up right now in this public setting and blurt out something in tongues, we would fully expect, as your leaders, for there to be an interpretation to that tongue, okay? Um, and so that's the public use of it. But we also believe in the gift of tongues as a prayer language. And so sometimes if you go in the prayer room, you might hear people praying in tongues. And that's okay with us because we believe that God gives you that gift uh, to help you to pray. It's a, a gift of intercession. And I'll tell you what, there's times when I haven't a clue what to pray for. And because of the gift of tongues, I've been able to pray for long seasons and long periods just praying in the Spirit and, and just understanding the groans and the utterances that the Spirit gives to lead and direct and guide and actually give speech to my prayers. And so really believe that there's two different uses of tongues. And then the last one is interpretation of tongues. Uh, interpretation of God's burden, not only a translation of a language. So um, many times you'll see it and hear it in operation here in this church when someone will actually speak out verbally 
something in tongues, and then you'll hear someone echo the interpretation at tongues. Um, it's not a gift I have. It's not a gift that I've ever operated in. It's not even a situational gift that I've had. Uh, tell you the truth, I've never understood um, or had a revelation of something that someone spoke out in tongues, but I've seen it in operation, and I've seen it done really well. And what it does, it edifies the body, doesn't it? It encourages the body. So, um, you know, it's one of the gifts that I have a hard time understanding, but God uses it, and I've seen it used. And so, just encourage you, again, maybe if you're a verbal person, maybe that's a gift that you might want to go after. Um, and then I just want to make a, a couple closing comments. First of all, observation between gifts and, and fruits, you know, because I told you earlier, I talked last time about the fruit of the Spirit, and tonight talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and that's kind of the bone of contention right now that's happening in a lot of Christian circles. You know, the fundamentalist camp is saying it's all about the fruit, and the charismatic camp is saying it's all about the gifts. We had a conversation Saturday night with some friends, and we got into this whole, um, you know, examination of fruit versus gifts, and it was really... Um, remarkable because the observation that we all had is that if you go to a fundamentalist-based church, they're all about the fruit of the Spirit. And if you go to a charismatic church, they're pretty much all about the gifts of the Spirit, almost as if they're mutually exclusive, right? Um, You have one or you have the other, but what does God want? He wants balance, doesn't he? He wants us to be manifesting fruits and gifts. So I would submit to you it's both and. And it's not a war between which one. We need them all. We need them all in operation. The world needs to see them all in operation because, you know what? The gifted people seem to be sometimes the flakier people, right? And the fruitful people seem to be kind of the the ones that are locked into doctrine that doesn't allow for gifts. And so the world needs to see us bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you know, peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, those things, as well as our demonstration of the power of the Spirit. And I think when we get a hold of both, and we start walking in both and operating in both, it's going to change everything, isn't it? Um, I just want to share one last story. I was working at GM, and I was, uh, I was born and raised Catholic, uh, brought up in a Catholic home. My wife was brought up in a Catholic home, and... Uh, as, as we got married, um, we ended up getting married by a uh, Protestant. Um, he was actually a Christian Reformed pastor. Um, and the only reason was is we wanted to have a home-based wedding and not a church wedding. We wanted to get married at my wife's brother's house. And so uh, we couldn't get a priest to come out, so we got this Protestant minister. And he started witnessing to us. Um, never heard the gospel um, the way that Protestants teach it. I mean, always believed that Jesus Christ was Lord, you know, even in my Catholic upbringing. Never had a problem with that. But the, the understanding of having a personal relationship with God was something that was never presented to me. And so this pastor, in, in doing the marriage counseling, was really trying hard to get me and my wife saved. And, uh, and he had an impact. He, he had an effect. But it was God was wearing us down. And so she worked at Chrysler. I worked at GM. We had a mixed marriage. And so, um, <laughs> so there was a Baptist woman that was witnessing to my wife, and then at GM there was a Baptist guy witnessing to me. And so we'd come home every night, and she'd tell me what this Sally would say to her, and I'd say, stay away from her, she sounds crazy. And then I'd tell her what my friend Claire would say to me, and she'd say, stay away from him, 
he sounds crazy. But then another guy came and started witnessing to me as well. So Clara was a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist, newly saved, um, and full of zeal. And then this other guy, a more seasoned, charismatic Christian, was witnessing to me. And so they started getting fights over the gifts. Because the Baptist said, that's not for today. And he kept correcting this other guy, and this other guy kept trying to correct the Baptist that they are for today. And so they'd have this debate in front of me, and uh, one day I was at the Xerox machine, and I could overhear them talking on the other side of the wall, and they're saying, we're going to lose this guy. You know, we're confusing him. And they were. They were really getting me confused. And my wife and I, we'd start going to the Baptist church, maybe on like the second and fourth Sundays of the month, and then we'd go to the charismatic church on the first and third Sunday of the month. So we'd alternate back and forth between Baptist and charismatic church. And when we went to the Baptist church, we loved the reverence for the word. We loved the in-depth Bible studies. We loved the knowledge and the wisdom that these people had. And quite frankly, they were the gray hairs. You know, they were the older people and the old stalwarts of faith. And they'd sing the hymns. And we loved it because it was rich and it was foundational. And we said, we need this because we were new and uh, we wanted to know everything that was in the Bible. And these people had a handle on it. Then on the alternate weeks, we go to the charismatic church, but they were younger people, they were more vibrant, and they were demonstrating the power of God, and we're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, you know? And uh, we were torn, we were torn, because I didn't know what to believe, because they were having me trying to decide which one was right. And um, in my estimation, I felt they both had something, and I'm trying to think the perfect church would be if those two churches could get together. It'd be really something. So they're arguing in that, and um, so one day, my friend Claire the Baptist, who I really respected, he would bring his pastor up, we'd uh, have lunch together with his pastor, because I'd ask him questions, he couldn't answer, so his pastor would answer my questions, and we'd have these really spirited debates, and, and it was just a rich time of growing and learning. And so I was really leaning the Baptist way, and um, so I said to my friend Claire one day, I said, Claire, I said, tell me the truth, what do you think about the gifts? Are they for today or not? And he said to me, in order to debunk the gift argument, he said, Ron, he says, I'll tell you the truth. He said, if God was giving out gifts, he said, I would want them. I would want them. And he said it in a flippant way. He said it kind of in a chiding way. He said it in a way to kind of embarrass this charismatic guy who believed in the gifts. And he said, I would want them. And something lit up in my spirit. I said, that's the answer. And I prayed that night, God, if you're giving out gifts, I want them. And I want them. I want everything that you have because I want to begin operating it. Amen. I just give it all. And so in his, in his way of trying to debunk it, he actually convinced me. To me, that was the best argument I ever heard for the gifts. So if God has given out gifts, I want them. How about you? And, and I want everything he has, everything that he's given. I'll take the residential and the situational um, however he wants to give them to me, because you, you appreciate when your children want things, don't you? When they don't demand them, but when they ask, and they really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I love giving gifts to my children, and I'm sure he loves giving gifts to his children. So I just want to encourage you to begin to eagerly and earnestly desire those things.